0: Around him, He does what he does every evening after dinner. He gathers his children to teach them the wisdom of God. How to walk skillfully in the ways of God. And the teaching is not only for them when they are younger, but it is a teaching that should stay with them for all of their days. Solomon's teaching is is for those who are of a tender age. And Solomon's teaching is for those of us who are no longer a tender age. Proverbs 4. If you'd please open your Bibles there. We see a father instructing his son so he does not fall. Our heavenly father instructing his children so that we do not fall. This proverb is divided into three sections and we see that in the three points of the message that I have for you this morning. And the first is verses 1 through 9, here. This is the starting point. This is the beginning, here. You know, when you're talking with a two year old and you're not sure if they hear you or if they understand what you're saying until you mention something that they want and you're like, oh, yeah, they they heard me. Or a teen, you wonder, did she hear me or is she just ignoring me? Or your husband. I'm pretty sure he's acting like he didn't hear me. Or when you start to get to be my age, I really didn't hear you. Fathers. In verse 1, we see a father instructing his sons. This is God's way. If you have children at home, God has given you, Dad, the wonderful responsibility to take your children by the hand and walk them to Jesus Christ. God has placed you on point in your home to help your children to understand that, as cute as they are, they are rebellious sinners. They were born sinners. And they deserve God's eternal wrath as punishment for their sin. God has placed you in the position to help your children understand that they have a Savior. If they trust in Jesus by grace, through faith, his holy life, his death, his resurrection, that he has done this to pay the penalty for their sin if they place their faith in him through grace, giving their loyalty, their allegiance to him, God promises that he will forgive their sin. They will have peace with God. They will know the peace of God. Dads and moms, what a special and beautiful blessing that God has given to you to be the primary ones to show your children Jesus. For sure, moms are included in this blessing to show your children Jesus. Solomon wrote this proverb, and yes, he is the one giving instruction, and the father is to be the one at the front of the family leading them to walk in Christ. But the application... The application of teaching and instructing is not only for the Father. Just as the application of hearing, understanding, and doing is not just for our children, it's for you and for me also. Consider Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. I'll read for you what Moses recorded in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, And with all your soul and with all your might, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This last verse, seven. You shall teach them diligently in your house when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down and when you rise up. Who is in the house when your children sit and walk and go to sleep and wake up? In many homes, it's dad and mom. Cinda and I had times where we wish we were on vacation. We wish we had a break from this. But we were the ones who were there when the girls sat and went to sleep. And woke up. Dad and mom are given the primary responsibility by God to take their children by the hand and lead them to Him. Yet, you're not alone in this. Paul speaks of spiritual fathers in the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11 Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children men who love God encouraging and imploring each other in the church to love God and to walk worthy this isn't just elders every man encouraging everyone as a follower of Jesus Christ. I need exhorting. I need encouraging and imploring just as much as you. Paul also speaks to spiritual fathers in Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Men are to exhort Encourage, implore others by themselves being sound in faith, full of love for God and for others. We're to be persevering in faith, persevering in Christ. This is what we are to do, men, in your own family and in your church family and in the community. Paul speaks of spiritual mothers in the church. In Titus chapter 2, continuing in verses 3 and 4, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so so they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Older women and all ladies are to encourage other ladies to love God and to walk in the ways of God, to care for your home. Which, if you have children at home, means your children and your husband are the primary focus of your attention and your time and your energy. It's not the building or the structure itself. It's those in your home. Fathers. Mothers. Spiritual fathers. Spiritual mothers. One generation to the next. In our family in our church, and in our community. When should this begin? Verse 3, Solomon tells us, at a tender age, when they are young, children are never too young to pray for them, to pray with them, read the word to them, read the word with them. Now, for sure, the attention span of of a two-year-old is different than a 14-year-old, or at least it should be. Sometimes it isn't. A good friend of mine, Oleg Karatki, in a missionary in Israel, has this little phrase. He would have his youngest daughter go to all the rest of the family every night to gather them and to say, It's time for the family to read the Bible and pray. And if there's one thing that I wish I could have a do-over on, it would be this. When I was at the bank, life was hectic. There was a lot of evenings that I didn't get home until late, and the evenings that I did get home, many times I was tired, and we were very inconsistent in reading the Bible. We prayed every night. We prayed together as a family before the girls would go to bed but reading the Bible as a family was inconsistent at best. As the girls have gotten older busy schedules it seems like there's always something. And again we pray together at night but that time of reading the Bible together as a family let us encourage each other to not allow inconsistency to keep us from striving to have time alone with the Lord together as a family. It's not another to-do. Don't let it be another chore. It's not another pharisaical law. This is time with your God alone together as a family time together as a family with our God notice Solomon's progressions in verses 1 and 4 verses 1 and 4 he has a progression in each verse in verse 1 hear give attention gain understanding hear give attention gain understanding and then in verse 4 you are taught You hold fast, you keep commandments, you live. This is shepherding. This is leading. This is what we are to do with our sons, with our daughters, in our church. To seek God by following, by hearing first, and then following his word. To seek God by hearing and following his word. And this is what we strive to do in our preaching, in our teaching, in our discipling. To seek and to know God intimately. Don't let my inadequacies as a preacher negatively impact your being fed by the Holy Spirit through his word. Don't let your likes and dislikes and preferences negatively impact your being fed by the Spirit through His Word. I don't have the gifting of Alistair Begg. I don't bring that to this pulpit. You and I will never be Vodibachum to our family in our homes. Let us not have a critical spirit towards each other, but encourage each other. Let us pray for each other, not that we would be Alistair or Vody, but that we would be faithful to walk alongside each other, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. God ordained this, that men would lead in his church, and that men would lead in his home. We do not lead well if we are passive in our shepherding. We do not lead well if we are harsh in our shepherding. And most likely, each of us as men lean more towards one or the other And if you'd have a conversation with Cinda or with our girls, I would lean towards being harsh. Towards speaking too directly, not building up in grace. And each one of us lean in one direction or another. We lead well when we lead like Christ. We lead well when we are like Christ as we shepherd. And this only happens as the Word of God, which is living and active, is continually transforming our hearts, men. When the Word is regularly, regularly revealing the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And this only happens as our heart is continually and regularly soaked in the Word of God. Throughout my years in banking, This could be a struggle for me. And even as I became an elder, busy seasons at the bank, chaotic summer schedules, and I know it can be a challenge for you, for dads, for moms, for singles, for teens. Yet we need to spend time with God in his word. It is our spiritual food. We need to spend time with God in his word, humbly asking that he would help us to know him more intimately and that his spirit would use his word to transform our hearts into the image of Jesus Christ. It is so good that you are here on Sunday It is good that you are joining in the live stream on Sunday to hear God's word and to be fed with the word. But it is hard if you are only nourished once a week. We must hear God through his word. We must be fed on the word regularly. Verses 8 and 9 Prize the wisdom of God, my parentheses, which is found in his word, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. How to stay on the path so that you do not fall? First, hear. Hear the word of God. 2nd verses 10 through 19. Hold fast. This is how you keep going. Hold fast. You begin by hearing, you keep going by holding fast. Several months ago, a man asked me for counsel on some things regarding finance, and I offered what I thought he should do, and he accepted my counsel. So when I say that, what does it mean that he accepted my counsel? It means the same thing as verse 10. Solomon says, don't just hear me. Don't just listen. Do what I'm teaching you. Accept my counsel. In this section, verses 10 through 19, you'll notice a metaphor used throughout the section, and the metaphor is the way. You see it in verse 11, the way of wisdom, upright paths. You see it in verse 14, the path of the wicked, the way of evil men. And in verse 18, the path of the righteous. Verse 19, the way of the wicked. We have only two alternatives, the wise way and the evil way. Some may try to carve out a third way, kind of a a middle position that they say is not as extreme as those two ends. I'm going to take a middle position. But God says that middle position does not exist. Do you remember the text that I read from Deuteronomy 6 that we are to teach our children? Specifically, I'm referring to verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, With all your soul and with all your might. No partial, middle path. We cannot sort of love God and His righteousness and and sort of love ourselves in our own way. You will love the one and hate the other. You will choose. And we do choose every day not in a, not in a definitive sense but certainly in an incremental sense with every choice that we make every day we're either choosing to act in a way that will transform us along the path of god or conform us to the path of our own selfish desires now perhaps you think i'm being a little too dramatic in this or A little too much hyperbole in overstating the case. Look at verse 13b, the second part of the couplet of the verse. Solomon instructs his son to guard wisdom, which again is skillful living in the way of God. Guard wisdom for she is your life. And this is a repetition from verse 4. Where he said, Keep my commandments and live. This is a matter of importance. This is a matter of life and death. In verse 14, he gives a warning do not enter or walk the path of the wicked. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. In Proverbs 22, Solomon writes, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. In Proverbs 13, he also writes, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Friends, and especially close friends, will influence you. They can influence you towards walking skillfully in the ways of God, or they can influence you toward complaining and gossip, And bitterness, and unkind talk, and all evil deeds. This is also a warning to choose to not walk alone on the path of the wicked. So it's a warning to not not walk with friends on the path of the wicked. It's also a warning to choose to not walk alone on the path of the wicked. In James 1, you remember what James recorded. Each one of us... (laughs) is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Do not enter or walk the path of the wicked with friends or alone. Notice in verse 15. Proverbs 4:15, 4, four verbs. There's four verbs in verse 15. And these verbs represent a strategy in your choice to fight temptation to sin. I need to remind myself of this and continually battle to do it. First, we avoid the path. We are to avoid the path. If there is something that will stir temptation in your heart, avoid it. Go the other way. Go the way of God, the way of righteousness. Second, do not even pass by the path. A thought, a conversation, what you look at. These things may stir up temptation in your heart. And there are areas that you and I know that we are vulnerable to. We must purposefully choose to walk far from these things that stir temptation in our heart. Third, we must actively choose to turn away. Do not linger. Don't linger watering the seed of desire. And again, this could be lingering on thoughts or on conversation or, or what you're looking at. Do not cultivate the desire for sin turn away and fourth we must pass on keep going do not contemplate the fleeting pleasure that you walked away from don't keep thinking about or looking back at that which tempts you that you decided to walk away from Maybe there is a hurtful comment that was said to you, and, and you had planned out your wicked response and you chose to not do it, but you find that your mind keeps going back to it. That's what Solomon is speaking of. Or that image that you could have looked at your family member having their way instead of your way. Avoid, do not pass by, turn away. Pass on. Keep going. That's what Solomon is teaching his son. And to what Solomon is teaching his son, I would add what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. In, Ephesus, in Ephesians 4, uh, 22 through 24. Paul wrote, Put off your old self, which is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's what Solomon is speaking of. Put off your old self, that which is corrupt, And then to that, Paul adds, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So combining these two, avoid, do not pass by, turn away, pass on, and turn to Jesus Christ, asking him to renew your mind, to worship him, to cling to him, to walk with him. And then put on the righteous opposite of what you walked away from. And so the prayer for my heart, the the prayer that I pray regularly and the prayer that I have been praying for you is that your heart would be crying out to the Lord in this kind of way. Jesus, you are the vine. I'm but a tender branch. I want to want to abide in you and you in me. And I know that I can bear no fruit apart from you. So I come to you now with all of my heart. I want to turn away. I want to put off the temptation of my heart. And so I turn to you. I desire to put on the righteous opposite of this unrighteous temptation in my heart. Help me to do this. Hear God. Hear the word of God regularly. Hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus Christ. And third, a healthy heart. Take care of your heart. We see that in the last section, verses 20 through 27. And this is how you do not fall off the path. This is how you do not fall off the path. If I ask what has been going on in your heart this past week, what does that question mean to you? What has been going on in your heart this past week? Solomon again begins this final section of the proverb in verse 20 with an exhortation. To give attention. He says, Do not let these words depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life and health to you. And then verse 23. The main verse. The main theme of this section. And if you notice in verse 23 through 27 he talks about he, he, so he talks about your heart he begins in verse 23 talking about your heart but then notice what he talks about beyond that your mouth what you say your eyes what you gaze upon your feet where you walk or the actions that you take he talks about your mouth your eyes and your feet But what you choose with your mouth and your eyes and your feet all flows from your heart. I've seen, and perhaps you have as well, another pastor use this illustration with the cup. Why did water spill out of the cup? Why did water spill out of the cup? Why did water spill out of the cup? Because there's water in the cup. That's why water spilled out of the cup. Several years ago, in fact it was 2008, the banking crisis had just begun I had a particularly difficult day at the bank and I came, I left and it was late. I was coming home and I was just looking forward to coming to the sanctuary of home and leave the difficulties of the day behind. And I walked through the door of the garage and it was chaos. The girls were chaotic. And I yelled. And I became angry. And I was very harsh. And then, shortly after that, there was another day that was really difficult at work. And I was looking forward to coming home. And I walked through the garage door, and it was chaos. And I was patient. And I was gentle. And I was gracious. What was different? What was in the cup? That's what was different. One day, it was a selfish focus on Brian and the kingdom of Brian. And the next, it was a righteous focus on Christ and the kingdom of God. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. I generally have an idea of how I want things to go in our family and in the church and in my family's lives. And I can too easily cross over from a discerning spirit to a critical spirit. It can come across in my tone, but it all started in my heart. Pride. A situation did not go the way that I wanted it to go several weeks ago. And I complained about it to someone who was not involved. God convicted me. And I confessed my sin. It came across in what I said, but it started in my heart. Pride, things not going the way that I wanted them to go. So I complained and I gossiped. This past week, I had a couple of interactions and I rode waves. I rode the wave of self-pity and then trusting in God and then defensiveness and then prayer and then discouragement and then tenderness towards the other persons feeling I couldn't come into this pulpit on Sunday and then trusting and knowing that Jesus gives grace and mercy to help in times of need. I rode those ways this week. Time this week alternating between focusing on myself and confessing sin and praying for grace. Hearts are messy. My heart is messy. Your heart is messy. This is why Each one of us needs to watch over our heart with all diligence and to walk alongside each other with patience and grace and care. Every thought, every emotion, every word, every action flows from all of our heart. Our heart is the headwater. It's the beginning of everything. My feelings this past week, they didn't come from my interactions. They didn't come from outside of me. They came from what was inside of me. I came into last week with those things in my heart. And when I got bumped, it just revealed what was in my heart. And it goes back to what we were talking about in holding fast to Jesus Christ. When we get bumped and sin <sighs> spills out of our heart, it is not enough to just be aware of the sin. It's not sufficient to merely try to avoid sil- sinful self focus in the moment. Because my heart got bumped multiple times last week, and what was spilling out was selfish self focus. I had to battle to replace what was in the cup. And until I worked to replace what was in the cup through the grace of Jesus Christ, what kept spilling out was what was spilled out the time before. I confessed. I prayed to the Lord to replace the self-focus of my heart. I prayed for others I prayed scripture and I read the word and I served the Lord, which for me was preparing to come into the pulpit to preach. We have to cry out to God to change what our heart is worshiping. And he promises to forgive. That's his mercy. And he promises to build us up. That's his grace. That's what we should be crying out to him for, is his mercy and his grace. Every one of us who professes the name of Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, must examine our cup and what it's filled with. Self or Christ? We must continually be crying out to him that we would set our heart on Jesus and ask him to fill us with him. We all have the responsibility as followers of Christ to teach the next generation. It's not like we become empty nesters and we look at the young parents and this is just their job and their task to do. That's not how God, that's not his intention for the church. That's not his intention for the community. He desires that one generation would teach the next and that it would continue. And this is a responsibility for all of us. And our responsibility is to teach the next generation to not be concerned with keeping the outside of the cup clean. We want to teach them to care about the inside of the cup, keeping the inside clean, keeping their heart pure and holy by seeking and following Jesus Christ. From father and mother, spiritual father and mother, to son and daughter, to son and daughter, to son and daughter, daughter. one generation to the next we want to be teaching them and encouraging them and to walk alongside them to hear the word of god regularly to hold fast to jesus christ and to take care of their heart in christ jesus would you pray with me heavenly father I do thank you for your patience and your mercy and your grace with my indwelling sin. I am thankful that you have built and kept this church and I pray that we who profess the name of Jesus Christ would increasingly grow in the image of Christ for the glory of your name. Father, I confess within my own heart and I know my brothers and sisters battle the same in their heart. There are so many things going on in life and there are so many philosophies and ideologies, and and even in various churches, so many different teachings. Father, would you work within each one of us that we would desire to love you and to grow in our worship of you and to walk in your ways and in your paths and to care more about others walking with you than we do anything else. Father, I pray that you would glorify your name through us. We love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, because he alone is worthy of our worship and our praise. Amen. Amen.